Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. What a wonderful God you are. What a wonderful word you have. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 50, verse 1, 50, verse 1. Uh, really, we should start at Genesis 49, 49, 33, the last verse in 49. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed, yielded up the ghost, and was gathered unto his people. Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalm Israel. And 40 days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. Thou shalt, there shalt thou bury me. Now, therefore, let me go, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury thy father according as he made thee swear. Okay, now, here we are in this passage here where Joseph, Jacob has obviously just died. And Joseph is, is the first to do, obviously standing there, and Joseph is the first to do what God told him, God told Jacob that Joseph was going to do to him in the, in the chapter 46, verse 4, where God said to, to Jacob, I will go down with thee into Egypt. I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Well, what does that mean? That means that when Jacob would die, that it was going to be Joseph who was going to close his eyes in death. So Joseph is the first one there. He's standing there right by him, and he closes his eyes. We're not told that, but that's obviously what happens. And so now the only thing that Joseph did when Joseph died after that is given to us in verse 1, where we're told that Joseph, he, he falls on his father's face, and, and he weeps upon him. He kisses them. And with this, there's this bond, or you could say there's a binding with these kisses on his face. Now, in verse 1, when it says there that Joseph fell upon Jacob's face there, what, what does that tell you? What does that word fall tell you about what was going on inside of Joseph when, when, he, when he died, when, when Jacob died? What does it tell you? Yeah, he was overwhelmed. He, it's really giving you this thing. He was overwhelmed and he, he's just, don't you get the feeling from the word fall that Joseph is completely broken at this part? 
At this point, he's completely broken. We're really seeing this special relationship come out again. We saw it before when Jacob made this special coat for Joseph. Now it's Joseph's turn. And we see it now, this special relationship that existed between Jacob and Joseph. And he does something unique that compared to all the other sons. Now, it's not easy for us to realize the depth of the bond that there was between Joseph and Jacob. We're getting a little picture of it here. It's not easy. But they were like, they, Joseph and Jacob were, were, were like this. They were just one. They were just one. And it's not easy for us also to realize the depth of the bond that there is between the Lord Jesus and God the Father. And we, we, it's, it's just hard for us really to realize what he meant when he said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. So when we look at verse 1 here, you see, you know, we shouldn't just look at verse 1 and say, oh, well, yeah, okay, you know, family emotion, let's move on with it. No, no. Verse 1 is a very important statement because what it sa- when it says here that Joseph fell on his face, he wept upon him, he kissed him, and, 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 and you know, I mean, this is quite a contrast. This is a pretty, first of all, we got to bring ourselves to see this scene here. I mean, Joseph, here's Joseph. He's young. He's healthy. Here's Jacob. He's old. He's decrepit. And he couldn't take care of himself. And in short, Jacob's corpse was just not, it wasn't a pretty sight. And, 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 but that didn't stop Joseph from falling on Jacob with this flood of tears. You know, I just couldn't, I, I'm, I'm reading this. And I, I just can't help but think of Cookie with, with Judy Ashcraft. I mean, Cookie has been the only one in our fellowship who's gone to visit Judy Ashcraft. Sometimes Cookie would bring Donna Plowman. And Cookie, what has she done? Cookie has sung to Judy. She's read the Bible to Judy. She's taken videos of Judy. And Cookie was actually with Judy the day before she died. This is very similar to, to, to what's going on here and how Jacob looked. We looked at these videos that, that Cookie took, and we saw... Uh, how how Judy looked, and we this is similar to how Jacob looked in verse one. And for someone who didn't know Judy, or for someone who didn't know Jacob, just the thought of falling on a on, on the face of a dead corpse, weeping on it and kissing it, is just kind of repulsive. <laughs> but not for Joseph, not for Joseph. Without any hesitation, he. Down he goes on the face and cries and kisses Jacob. Now, when you read this in verse 1, isn't it interesting that we don't read a verse 1 for any of the other sons? I mean, we don't read of any of the other sons that came and said, okay, my turn now, Jacob, Joseph, and, you know, I'm going to fall on the father's face. And we don't read that. I mean, Joseph has expressed here a unique act of love. It's a unique act of love when he fell on the face of the corpse and cried and kissed it. It was only, only, it was only um, Joseph who fell on Jacob's face and he wept on Jacob and he kissed Jacob. And there was a cost for Joseph also. I mean, here he is, the ruler of Egypt. He's falling on the face of a dead corpse and he's crying and he's kissing the, the, the face. But Joseph, in essence, would have said, I don't care about the cost. I don't care what others think of me. I'll break through the barriers of risk, and I'm going to fall on and kiss the, 
uh, cry and kiss the, the, the corpse of David. I mean, uh, Jacob. So as for the other sons, you can imagine them. They're saying, okay, you know, yeah, you know, we love him too. He was wonderful, but um, please, can we just bury the corpse out of our sight? I mean, watching our brother fall on the dead Jacob with all the tears, the kissing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's over the top. It's just over the top. I mean, that's just too much. I mean, I, we really don't want to say it at this particular time, but it's a little repulsive. But it was Joseph alone who stepped forward and he did this special act of love. That's the point of verse one. It's a special act of love. Reminds me of another Joseph, another Joseph who had another special act of love for, for the corpse of a person. And of course, that's Joseph of Arimathea who who we read about in, in Matthew 27, verse 57, Matthew 27, 57, where it says, when the even was come, there came a, a, a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate. He begged the body of Jesus. Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewed out of, in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. So verse 1 sets Joseph in Egypt apart from all the other brothers when it was only Joseph who fell on the face and wept and kissed, the, kissed him. And what Joseph of Arimathea did, it set him apart from all the others. He's the one who went to Pilate and begged the body. He's the one who wrapped the corpse in the clean linen with Nicodemus, and he laid it on a new tomb and... It's so dramatic. You know, when I was asked well, recently, as you know, I went to Israel, and, and uh, Avi said, I'll, I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Tell me where you want to go in Israel. And I said, Avi, there's only one place I want to go, the empty tomb. I just want to go there. Because it's such a, to me, it's the highlight of Israel. It's the place. And I, I went inside the tomb. You know, I was alone, and Avi stood outside, and I went inside the tomb. And while I was in there kind of, kind of thinking about everything that would happen, then outside the tomb, there was this large group of people that were waiting for me to come out, I guess, you know, and enter in. And so when I came out, sort of announced to everybody, I said, it's empty. <laughs> they didn't laugh. Anyway, um, there's so much to meditate on at, at the tomb. But one important meditation is what Joseph of Arimathea did when he risked himself when he became like Joseph in Egypt and Joseph of Arimathea broke through all the barriers of risk to himself and became known as he was the one who went to the person who killed him, to Pilate, and he begged the body of the Lord. He begged the body of the one who was despised and who was rejected and who was crucified. Now, after the Lord Jesus died on the cross, he looked really bad. I mean, he's been scourged. He's been whipped with a, with a, with a six foot long, uh, whip with cat of nine tails, you know, and, and he had the, the, the skin lacerated from his body. I mean, essentially he bled to death with all the flies and the smells of death and what the Lord Jesus himself spoke about when he was on the cross in Psalm 22, 14. Psalm 22, 14, the Lord Jesus said, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. 
My tongue cleaves to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. I mean, that's a pretty graphic picture, especially that last part, the dust of death. What's the dust of death? That's dirt below the cross that has been soaked in blood, and it's the dust of dead. So all the dried and the fresh blood on the corpse of the Lord Jesus, the swellings from the complete destruction of his body, with all the tears and the holes in it, it just in short, the mangled, disfigured body, corpse of the Lord Jesus was just not a very pretty sight. And the description of how much he was disfigured and mangled is given to us in Isaiah 52, 14. Isaiah 52, 14 says, as many were astonished, or astonished, astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of man. So what is that saying there? It's saying there when it says that as many were astonished, his visage was so marred more than any man, it means that everyone who looked at the Lord Jesus on the cross was so astonished at the sight of his face, they'd never seen a face that had been so grotesquely disfigured. When it says this form was marred more than the sons of man, it means that everyone who looked at the body of the Lord Jesus on the cross was so astonished because they'd never seen a body that had been mutilated like that before. And, and so in Isaiah 53.3, when it says, we hid, as it were, our faces from him, it means they couldn't look. They couldn't look at it. couldn't really stand the sight. When it says in Isaiah 53.4, Isaiah 53.4, there's no beauty in him that we should desire him, is that they looked and they said, there's just nothing pretty about this sight at all. And really for most people, they were sort of like the sons of Jacob and saying, okay, you know, we love him too. He was a wonderful Messiah, but can we please just bury this defigured, abused corpse out of our sight? I mean, watching Joseph of Arimathea remove the nails and then putting the corpse over his shoulder with all the blood, I mean, I was like, I'm sorry, but it's over the top. I mean, uh, it's just too much. I mean, we really don't want to say it at this time, but it's kind of repulsive. But, but just as Joseph, in verse 1, it was only Joseph of Arimathea that expressed, expressed this unique act of love. Because that's what it was for the Lord Jesus by going to Pilate, the begging, the, 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 the taking down, the, the wrapping, the, 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 the burying. And, you know, when we think about this and look at this of Joseph of Arimathea, I mean, the question comes back, you know, what would we have done if we were there at that time? Would we have been the Joseph of Arimathea or not? It was a special act of love. And there were these in the life of the Lord Jesus, these special acts of love you know, that, 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 that are recorded, like the one where it says in Matthew 26, 6, Matthew 26, 6, when G- Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came to him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? This ointment might have been sold for much. Give it to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there also shall this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. So again, 
There were many people that had contact with the Lord Jesus, but only this person did this particular special act of love in preparing his body for the burial. Another one was when uh, just before he was crucified in, in Matthew 26, 13. Matthew 26, 13. He says, again, he, he talks about this memorial of her. And that then there was also the case where Luke 7.36, Luke 7.36, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with them. He went into the Pharisee's house, sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, so we know what we're talking about here, a woman of the street. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, she bought, brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. And when the Pharisee had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. He said, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, tell me, therefore, which of them will love the most? Oh, Simon answers and says, I suppose he that to whom he forgave most. He said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Says he, this woman, I had entered in thy house that gave us no water for my feet. And washed my, she hath washed my feet with tears, wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman has, since time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil that is not anoint. This woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. He said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Again, special act of love. Okay, now, so now Joseph turns and, and he makes this commandment in, in verse 2, which he commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. The physicians embalmed Israel. We all know about this. We've been to museums, maybe seen the mummies. The, the, the Egyptians were, they were really good at embalming. That was the Egyptian, what the Egyptians did. They embalmed. Now the question is, why do you suppose that Joseph had his father made into a mummy? What? Okay. Okay, right. I mean, it doesn't take long for the human body to stink really badly, which is why the Jews bury within 24 hours of death, especially in the summer. I mean, I, re I remember, I have bad memories of this. But we, when we lived with our 300 goats, we found that if a goat died in the morning, by the afternoon, it really stunk bad. I mean, there was a time in the ranch, in the lakeside, when some rabbits died, and it was the summertime. So we said, well, okay, you know, the, the trash, the trash man's coming tomorrow. Just put them in the dumpster. They'll get picked up tomorrow. Be fine. It smelled so bad that we couldn't sleep. I mean, we thought it's like filling the whole area. So at 10 o'clock at night, I got the boys up and I said, come on, boys, we're going to go wrap the dumpster in plastic. <laughs> so we went down there at 10 o'clock at night. We wrapped it, except for the lid, we wrapped it all up. And our neighbor, who you may remember, was Larry Rust, the retired Navy officer who was retired. He had nothing better to do except be amused by what I was doing. And so, you know, he came up and always the same thing. You know, what you doing, Tom? Why did you wrap the dumpster in plastic last night, you know? 
Anyway, that was, I remember one time, another time we were going door to door in the Canto area. We came up to this like Asian temple, I don't know, some religion there. It was a horrible smell. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever been around that place? Okay, don't go there. Anyway, and I started asking questions. What is that smell? Well, in their religion, they have what's called sky burials, which means that they put the body out and the birds have to come and eat it. That's what they do. A dead body smells terrible. And he didn't want his, his father to stink all the way out. Now, it's interesting how fast this happens. I mean, this rate of putrefaction that happens in the human body is just amazing. I mean, and it's also symbolic. Because at death, when the body starts to go to stink so fast, you have to ask the question, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the same body that hours ago didn't smell like this. And just in a matter of hours now, it just smells so bad. Why? Why is it that the body was kept from rotting so quickly? And of course, the answer is one simple word, life, life. As long as the body is alive, it's not rotting. But, I mean, the body is preserved. The body is, is kept from rotting as long as it's alive. And, and, but as soon as life leaves the body, then the body spoils quickly. And, and death starts this, this putrefaction process. I mean, this is what the Bible calls, brings form very forcefully when it says, it speaks about the second death, the second death. So anyway, now, if that didn't gross you out, <laughs> Now we'll talk about the process of embalming to make a mummy. It was very well refined in Egypt. And as a matter of fact, it was the world center, as you know, for making mummies. Now, thanks to the historians, especially Herodotus, we have a very detailed description about what, how this mummification took place. First of all, when it says here that Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, there was in Egypt... Uh, different schools of physicians, different groups of physicians, they were, or different specialized groups. And they were each an expert in embalming the body, depending on what the body died from. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. 
early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.